Hey guys, it's Max Miller, Zach Zary, and Oakley Rose. Welcome to a well-placed cuss. Hello everyone, and welcome back to a well-placed cuss number 59 with me and Mr. Zach Zary over Zoom. Now, if you noticed, me and Mr. Zary are wearing the same clothes that we were wearing in the previous episode because we were filming these back-to-back because there was way too much that we missed out on. So we're trying to get ahead of the curve and uh, try to give you guys the most uh, the most relevant news possible. And there's a lot to talk about because we kind of took our break in a bad time or it wasn't really up to us. I was forced to go up north, but that's another that's another story. But we did it right in the middle of some pretty intense playoff matchups in the NBA and NHL. Now, we're going to go into the NHL a bit first. And Zach is our local NHL expert. And I'm sure he has a lot of thoughts about how the uh, how the playoffs have been making out so far. I know I do as well. But Zach, please take it away. We're diving right into the sports here. No familiarities. Please take it away with some of the NHL playoffs, some of the news, opinions that you have, surprising, anything like that. Yeah, so I, I guess we haven't really even talked about uh, round one either. The last episode we recorded, we uh, talked about some round one uh, games and whatnot, like if Toronto could make it out of the round one, whatnot. And we were talking about how Boston was so good and, Newsflash, Boston lost out in the first round. Maybe the most disappointing team in sports history, maybe? There's, like, like you can argue the 73-9 Warriors, but at least they made it to Game 7 of the finals, right? Yeah, this this team blew a 3-1 lead. They're the greatest NHL regular season team ever. The talent on that team, you have, like, former MVPs on your third line. Like, the talent was insane. You have two, like, and to be up 3-1 and lose to the Florida Panthers, who, hey, Florida got hot at the right time, but they had a bad regular season. They're, they're hot at the right time. They just beat the Maple Leafs, we'll get into. But, man, Boston, I, that team's going to, like, is Patrice Bergeron done as a Boston Bruin? David Krejci done as a Boston Bruin? They have free agents. Like, where where does this team go? And it's it's it'll be interesting. Do we get a new Boston Bruins team? Like that was like the last year of their core. And really, Boston. Like, when when did Boston win against Vancouver? But they haven't won a Stanley Cup since, and that's very surprising given the star talent they've been able to retain and the success they've had. They obviously played the Blues in that one final too. They've had success, but they haven't won it since that Vancouver series. So, uh. Man, very disappointed for Boston Bruins fans. I mean, I I think everybody and their mothers thought they were winning the Stanley Cup, including me and Max. Um, yeah, just crazy. Florida then goes on to beat Toronto. Toronto finally gets past their demons. It looked like they might choke that first-round series. Finally beats Tampa Bay, and it was a very passionate series. And then they spank Toronto. They call them... Toronto was calling them daddy. Like, uh, it, it was bad. It, it was, it wasn't even close. Like, I thought Florida was going to sweep them. They end up beating gentlemen sweep. They get them in five. Where I have to just Toronto? say, I have to just say as well, I'm always cheering for Canadian teams in the playoffs. Like, if Calgary isn't in it, right? I'm cheering for the Oilers. I'm cheering, I'm cheering for Toronto. 
But it the fan base in Toronto makes it so hard to like that team. They won the first their first round in 19 years. And they couldn't shut up. Like, I'm not happy that they got eliminated, but I'm not not happy. They were they they just they piss off hockey fans. Yeah, they act like they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, but they've been tortured by it for how many years? I forget what stat it was. It was like if you bet against Toronto in Game Sevens since like a certain year, you'd be up like twenty k or something if you bet a hundred dollars. And it was like, oh my god, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, but they finally get out of the first round, and then they just get spanked. They 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 forgot there was a round two. They're like, man, we've never been here before. Don't know what to expect. And they absolutely got killed. And I mean, Cal Dubas has done everything in his goddamn power to make this team. Oh, they need defense help. I'll get defense help. They need veterans. I'll get veterans. And where does this core go? What does Austin Matthews do? Is, is Austin Matthews gone? Is Nylander's probably gone? Where, where does Mitch Marner go, who didn't really show up in the playoffs? There's their star forwards really don't show up. I mean, it's lots of question marks here from lots of these top teams in the East where the East was so dominant and now all the big dogs are falling off. I mean, Claire, uh, Carolina beat New Jersey four games to one. I mean, New Jersey ended up beating New York where they're down 2-0 and weren't looking so good. New Jersey's they're, they're, they're on the up and up. I mean, Jack Hughes is leading that squad. Nico, he sure, um, all those young guys, um, they have so so many high end, uh, prospects too. New Jersey will be really fun. Uh, they, uh, I guess going in back into the East. Um, I guess that kind of wraps up the East. Carolina beat New York Islanders. I think we talked about that. Going to the West, the Golden Knights beat Edmonton, and uh, no. Canadian team will win the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, which it's been Gary Bettman's been commissioner for 30 years. Last t- uh, Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup was 30 years ago. So uh, lots of fans like to speculate Gary Bet- Bettman hates Canadian teams and wants to grow it in the States. Who knows? He can't say for sure. But uh, yeah, Vegas beat Edmonton, which I was happy about because. Uh, uh, Nashville has Edmonton's draft pick, so I want it to get as low as possible. And as well, Chandler Stevenson's on it, Evan Hardy alumni, Saskatoon boy, Mark Stone's on Vegas too, which is, uh, I like Mark Stone. Jack Eichel gets his revenge on Connor McDavid. I love the memes where it's like, man, maybe Edmonton should have selected Jack Eichel first overall. Ah, I just like the memes. Um, yeah, Vegas is Vegas is looking. They're they're getting hot at the right time. Florida's getting hot at the right time. Carolina has been solid. Um, and then Dallas, Dallas uh, beats Minnesota, which I thought they were, but the Avalanche falls to the Seattle Kraken, who get their first playoff win in uh, uh, round one. Man, we gotta talk about the Avalanche. Uh, Gabe Landeskog might be done his career might be done which is very unfortunate due to injury um don't love to see that that core i mean they looked so dominant last year and looked like they weren't ever going to lose again and they 
ball in round one and had a rough year. Um, yeah, and then Seattle, Dallas beats them. Um, Grubauer tried all of his best for Seattle. Seattle had a good run, but Dallas with Odinger and Joe Pavelski has been playing of his mind for how old he is. Jason Robinson, and then you obviously have Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben there and the vets that have been there. Man, I don't want Dallas to win. There's four teams left. I Dallas the the least. They're they're Nashville. I have nightmares about them beating Nashville in round two that one year and their rivals in the central division. So four teams and um I think two out of the four are vying for their first championship and, and that being uh Vegas and uh Florida, I believe. And then obviously I don't think Dallas has one since the Minnesota North Stars. I could be wrong with that. And Carolina Did they win with Mike Madonna? I, f- I feel like it. I, I could be wrong. I'd have to search it up. I'm trying to kind of just free ball in it. I'll have to search it up. I and think then they, won- the, they beat did the Canes win with Eric Stahl? Uh, they won with him. Cam Ward. Um, Dell Stars. It was with Cam Ward. I just remember Cam Ward was... Amazing back then, Dallas Stars. I think they beat Buffalo Dallas in a very controversial, like, yeah, they won in 1998 Dallas. So hmm. they were, they actually did win as the Dallas Stars, not Minnesota. And Carolina, Carolina won in 2006 over Edmonton. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'd like to see Carol. I really like guys. I I wouldn't mind anybody except Dallas. And I mean, I think I'd want to see Vegas win just because, obviously, Stevenson's uh, Evan Hardy and Saskatoon guy, Mark Stone. I'd want to see him get a win. Eichel, Petrangelo's on that team. Um, Aiden Hill has a pretty cool story as a goaltender. Um, I'm sure there's lots of guys like on that Vegas team that I'm forgetting that I really like too. Um, D- Dallas, like I mentioned, Nationals rivals don't really care to see them win, even though some guys probably deserve it. Uh, Carolina, yeah, they they probably are the best team. I think Carolina is probably the best team, and then followed by Vegas, and then you know, Dal- Dallas is looking sharp, and then Florida probably full four, but Florida is turning it on, and that's what what it all is in sports is being hot at the right time, especially in these playoffs um and uh florida's done that and they're a team built for the playoffs especially with the addition of uh to chuck and being gritty out there and we saw it last year they're the best regular season team and they're putting it together uh this postseason so uh max let's do uh early predictions for uh the nhl east and west winner and then stanley cup winner and then give me mvp from the winning team i don't even i forget what i even had all I know is that it's in the shitter at this point. So this is a guess. So everyone is aware this is a guess. But it's all about being hot at the right time, which all these teams are, right? Like, like all these teams are playing fantastic hockey, probably the best hockey of, the, of their year. Like, they're playing great. But when Florida had that monster team last year, with Huberto before he became Calgary, Jonathan. 
they were my favorites to win. And it seems like switching out Huberto for Tuchuk did something to, for them. Get out the Canadian, get in the American. I don't know. I like the way this team is playing. Bobrovsky, well, I really like Bobrovsky. I just, ah. Uh, my heart is telling me Florida, and I'm going to trust them. So from the east, I'm going Florida. Man, I like the Canes, though, but I'm going Florida. And the west, I have the Golden Knights. I think they're just more talented than the Stars. I just, I have the Golden Knights. And I think I have Florida taking it. I think I have Florida taking it. And I, you know, I, my MVP, I think it's obvious it's going to be, it's going to be to Chuck, but Florida, like, they're just getting hot at the right time. And you get hot and you stay hot. And that's what wins you championships. And, you know, like, they beat Boston. Who, yeah. it, who the fuck is, who, what? Who's beating Boston? Mm -hmm. The Panthers. That's who. I am not. If the if, if, if whoever whoever would have beat Boston in the first round, I don't care if it was the Kraken or the Wild. I'd put my money on them to win the whole thing. So, if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Panthers, Vegas, Panthers winning it and Matthew Tuchuk as the MVP. Yeah, I mean, if do you imagine if the Panthers won the whole thing? Beating Boston, beating uh, Toronto, and the ways they did it in both a comeback and then an absolute beatdown, and then to beat Carolina, and then to beat a Vegas or Dallas, that would be unbelievable. I mean, you look at this Florida team. They got some – like, they, they're not so different from last year's team. Obviously, Barkov is leading that team, captain. He's – one of the best two-way guys. Sam Bennett is the gritty dude. Anton Lundell, former first-round pick. Eric Stahl, Carter Verhage, Nick Cousins, Anthony Duclair, Kachuk, Sam Reinhardt. I mean, Ekblad and Montour, Josh Mahara, Bobrovsky, as you mentioned, in the back end. I mean, Alex Lyon stepping in when need be. That's This is a dangerous team when you get hot, and then I'm like, but I just... Like I look at Carolina and they got Aho and Jarvis and Martin who they're not even doing it with Andre Svechnikov, who is an absolute beast who's been injured. I also find it funny that uh I forget who it was, but Peter DeBoer who's coaching Dallas and his last the team that fired him was Vegas and now they're playing in the conference finals. I thought that was funny. And uh oh, is Paul Maurice the co who's the coach of yeah I think Paul Maurice is the coach of Florida and Paul Maurice was coaching Rob Brindamore the last time Carolina won and now Rob Brindamore is coaching Carolina and Paul Maurice is coaching uh Florida but like you look at their defense the the Hurricanes Jacob Slavin and Slavin and Brent Burns Brady oh I forget how to pronounce his last name but he's a stud with Brett Presky Shane Ghost to spare Martin Nikas and Jordan Stahl, Jack Drury. Like, this team is just a Jesper Fast and Kokanemi and Jordan Martin. You know what? I'm looking at this Florida team, and then on paper, almost I want to take Florida in general. And they're they're hot at the right. Max, screw it. I'm a Carolina guy. I like the guys on Carolina, Florida. They're hot. 
just on paper, I'm liking their team a little bit more, especially with Svechnikov gone. But I mean, Aho was so good, and the, and they they probably have better. Fre- Frederick Anderson is probably the better goaltender right now. Is a little bit better, but I, I'm going Florida. That's a good series in in seven. Dallas, Vegas. I'm going to go Vegas, even though Dallas is pretty solid. You got Hanson Domi. Wyatt Johnson has been absolutely amazing for them. Who's a young kid? Uh, Jason Robertson and Mason Marsh, uh, and Ben Pavla- uh Joe Pavlovsky and uh, Sagan. I just butchered that name. Um, and then Ottinger and Ned Heiskanen and Suter on the back end. But I'll go Vegas. I'll go both Vegas in six and Florida in seven. I'll have Vegas winning though. And I'll have Stone as uh, the MVP. I mean, you got Nick Roy, Riley Smith, Willem Carlson, Jack Eichel, Barbashev, Marsha Show. That defense is quite loaded with Zach Whiteclaw, Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, Brady McNabb. I'll go Vegas over Florida and Mark Stone. But it's a, it's been a fun playoffs. They have been. They've been really good. They've been really, really fun. Yeah, um, lots of upsets. I mean, you turn into a game, and it's like you don't know how it's going. But I do want to say one thing. NHL, fix your scheduling. There's no reason why McDavid and Drysaddle, the two best hockey players in the world, should be playing on a Sunday night, and it's like 10 p.m. Fix your scheduling. The NBA had Game 7 between Boston and Philadelphia at 3 p.m. I don't, I'm not saying compete with them, but put it right after their game. Like, I don't know. ESPN is covering hockey now, and it was supposed to be make it better, but it, I don't know. I don't know, Max. But that's my hockey take. I mean, NHL draft lottery was – oh, that's something. We'll talk about the NBA draft lottery that happened today. NHL draft lottery happened. We haven't even talked about it. And my worst nightmare came true, Max. Connor Bedard is going to head to the Chicago Blackhawks. Ugh. Nobody wanted to see that. I'm going to go on a little rant here. The Chicago Blackhawks probably shouldn't even have this pick. Should should have been relinquished for their look into their organization and all the gross things that has happened. We don't don't need to talk about everything that's happened, but they shouldn't even have this pick. It it's disgusting. Like. My cousin texted me. He's an Anaheim Ducks fan, so you got to feel for him because he missed out on Crosby in his draft year when they were favorites to get that pick, and they ended up getting Bobby Ryan. And now they're favorites to get this pick and came second once again and missed out on Bedard. So I kind of feel for him. But uh, I'm going to try to find this text. Um, but what, what, so I got to feel for him. Oh, he, here's this text. Arizona. Holds pre-draft workouts. Loses their first round. New Jersey signs Ilya Kovalchuk to a contract that was legal at the time. Loses first rounder. Chicago covers up a sexual abuse scandal for over a decade. Maintains their first overall pick and gets Connor Bedard. Like, it's just stupid. And that, that organization doesn't deserve that pick. I mean, they go from Patty Kane and Jonathan Taves to Bedard. And, yeah, it just frustrates me. Obviously, this draft is loaded with talent. Like, Anaheim's still going to get Fantilli, who's going to be an excellent player. Um, 
man, who got third overall? I'm forgetting, but San Jose had fourth overall. Um, Canadians had fifth overall. Who has the third overall pick? Now that's bugging me. Third. Man, this is bad that I can't for- remember. And I well, two thousand. Do you remember Max? I don't. I'm trying to find that out right oh, now. Oh, Columbus. They're so irrelevant that I forgot about them. <laughs> but yeah, this draft is is pretty loaded. I mean, Nashville is gonna have uh an early early mid round pick, and then the twenty fourth pick now that uh, Edmonton lost, and they're hosting the draft. So that's nice. Uh, Nashville's hosting the draft, so that'll be exciting with two first round picks. And I mean, this draft is on paper one of the most deep drafts ever. So it's a very exciting time. Absolutely, yeah. I'm ex. I'm excited for the direction the NHL is going into. Like I remember last year's playoffs, in the finals. I don't know, felt a little maybe stagnant to me. Same thing as the NBA, but this year the competitiveness is getting ramped up a bit. It just feels it's cool. You know, you see in Boston go out in the first round. You know, you gotta you gotta love it. But that is disgusting by the Chicago Blackhawks. But our our bud Oakley is probably pretty happy about probably pretty happy about Bedard <laughs> going to Chicago. So. Yeah, yeah, he's a, all he's the a luck big... to Blackhawks fans, you privileged God. Yeah, but whatever, whatever. I digress. And, and um, anything else out... from hockey talk, Mister Zary? I, I was just gonna say, shout out Anaheim fans for for sticking with losing out on Crosby and losing out on Bedard. Like I, I feel for you guys. <laughs> all right, well, we'll get into the National Basketball Association playoffs. Zach, yeah. Remember yeah. what team uh remember what team I'm a fan of? I knew this was gonna be brought up. <laughs> the Miami Heat. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I guess we haven't even talked since uh the first round, have we? No. The Miami Heat entered the playoffs as the eighth seed. Oh, can I can I just jump in quickly? Go right ahead. They were losing that play on playing game with like three minutes to go too. That's even the craziest part before you go on this rant. Yep. Yep. Uh, they lost to Atlanta, and they barely won against Chicago. The Miami Heat are the eighth seed in the regular season, and they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm gonna I'm gonna just take a second for everyone just to just to, just to let that sink in. Hmm? No more shit talking about the bubble, huh? No more shit talking, Jimmy. No more shit talking, Bam. Hmm? No. No. Guess what? Jimmy, at this moment in time, is the best basketball player on the planet. Now I can change come next season. I'm not saying that he's going to stay that way. But to the question of who is playing the best basketball in the world right now, it's Jimmy Butler. Flat out, defense, offense, three-point shooting, free throw line, any other aspect, he's dominating. 56 points in a game, dominating. You know who else is dominating? 
the Miami Heat defensive schemes. The Miami Heat, they tried. But they worked their magic against the Bucks. If you watched that game, you knew who was winning that series. Or if you watched that series, you knew who was winning in the end. That's what, that's what I should say. Bam Adebayo can guard Giannis. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Bam Adebayo can guard Giannis. Okay? Are we clear about that? Proof this year, and then proof two years ago when we also won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Jimmy Butler? I can't say enough about him. You're going to hear his name a lot during this episode. Because guess what? Jimmy Butler is the best goddamn basketball player on the planet right now. I'm milking this moment. Fuck everyone. I don't care what you think. I'm milking the shit out of this moment. Terrible regular, well, not terrible. Terrible by terrible by by um um hopes. Terrible regular season. The potential we had, we could be top five. Got eight. And then Miami did what Miami did. Eric Spolstra did what Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra did. Pat Riley did what Pat Riley did. But they do yearly after year after year after year. And they fucking win because that's what they did. They play the best team in the NBA. I don't care. Second best team in the NBA other than the Suns. We'll get into them too. Don't worry about that. Second best team in the league. Healthy, by the way. They're healthy. Giannis was out a couple games. Fair enough. I'll give you that. But Middleton was there. Holiday was there. Lopez was there. That team, though, that trio alone should be a playoff contender. Like, no, no question. You throw Giannis in there, that team should win. Eric Spolstra, amazing defensive schemes, relying on the culture that has been that's been built up in Miami. Won that shit. Go to New York. Oh, oh, didn't have, didn't have. There was no fear in New York. I have to say that right now. There was zero fear. I have a couple New York fans just trying to show them some respect. No fear. Miami was crushing them. Crushing them. But, but, huge shout out to Jalen Brunson. Holy shit, that man can ball. Oh my God. That guy is a good basketball player. He is a three-level scorer, solid defender, great facilitator, fits the Knicks perfectly. I'll take back what I said at the beginning of the season. A pickup, a pickup for the Knicks. RJ Barrett, he still has value. Trade his ass. Trade him. Julius Randle, trade him. You need a more traditional uh, um, like star there. The Knicks don't work anymore. It's been shown again, right? And if you want to get to the second round of playoffs, like by all means, keep this team together. But if you want to win, you need to break that team up. And now they're playing against the Celtics. And they have a chance, right? Three, two years, two years ago? Three years ago. Some time ago. They beat the Celtics, the bubble, three years ago. They beat the Celtics in the bubble and went to the finals. Last year, exact same matchup. Celtics beat them in game seven. And they went to the finals and they lost just like the Heat did in 2020. Now, this is, in my opinion, kind of for all the marbles in terms of this new age rivalry. 
watch out for Jalen Brown. Because Jimmy's going to be guarding Tatum. He's maybe he'll get 30 a couple nights, whatever. Watch out for Jalen Brown, though. There's not a whole lot of people on the Heat that can guard him. Maybe Caleb Martin, see what he can do. Don't know. That's going to be such an entertaining series. But who do I who do I want to talk about right now? Zach, do you have any teams that you specifically want me to talk about? Because I'm just going to spend all my time talking about the Heat and talking about how all the teams relate to the Heat. So is there anyone on the East you want me to talk about? I mean, I'll get to the West. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll just get a quick, uh, recap here. Uh, Cause nobody, nobody really knows what's happening. Um, the, the ease, let's start with Philadelphia. What what did Philadelphia? That's great. Great point. Guess what? Doc Rivers fired. Just got fired. Just got fired today. All right, go ahead. I'm ju- jumping in. Hey, Hey, Philadelphia, you should have kept Jimmy buckets, baby. Tobias you Harris, who will be regretting Tobias. that until the day you die. Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Are you serious? Are you serious? I'm not. I have no no meat in the game, no stake in the game. How, how did they do that? How I'm not a Jimmy Butler fan by per, per se. Not a Philadelphia 76ers hater. Even though I'm a Toronto Raptor, so maybe maybe a little bit of a hater, but I feel like anybody could have saw that. Like I don't know. I I just want to say I'll I'll give my four picks because I haven't I've really watched the first round, haven't really watched the second round. the The Denver Nuggets are gonna win the NBA championship. That's my X factor. I don't hate that. Jamal Murray is finally healthy. He hasn't been healthy since the bubble, and it's the four same teams from the bubble. How how crazy is that? I feel like that's that's pretty pretty cool that it's the same four teams from the bubble. Jamal Murray hasn't been healthy since the bubble, and we've seen what he he's the glue to that team. Jokic is the two time MVP for a reason, but Jamal Murray is the glue to that team. And they run through him. He does everything a point guard needs to do. The Blue Arrow, Canadian superstar. He's he's leading that squad past LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And hey, guess what? The Suns are overrated. They have no depth to that team whatsoever. No depth whatsoever, and that and that showed. That cost them. You need you need guys to say it. Even though Joel Embiid said. We need help, and what was one of the cringiest things I've ever heard. He he's he's right in a sense. I didn't like how he put it. Don't don't get me wrong. I did not like that whatsoever. I thought that was a bitch move. I did not like it. But he's right, and it was almost in comparison to the Phoenix Suns. You have four guys that are very very talented, but who who's who else is there? You need you need a you need a you need depth. You need a sixth guy. Look at the Miami Heat. That team is loaded, maybe not with absolute star power, but the team the team is quite deep. Joel, uh, those comments pissed me off. Those comments pissed me off because guess what? Joel, you were the worst player on your team that game. Maybe next to Harden, you sucked. You sucked ass. Take accountability. Just say I sucked. That's all you got to do. It's so weird to try to put your teammates on the spot like that. 
It's weird. It's weird when you're the when you're the face of the franchise, the face of the league, to be quite honest with you, Mr. MVP. You sucked ass. You're not a winning basketball player. And guess what? James Harden, you sucked ass. You're not a winning va- you are not a winning valuable player. You are not. Done. End of conversation. Fact. Checkmate. The fuck out of here. I don't know what you want me to do. It's a fact. All right. I'm done having this conversation with you. Now, I want now I want to move on to the West. I want to talk about the Lakers. Now, the Lakers, everyone knew what the Lakers are doing right now is possible, right? They beat the Grizzlies. By the way, John Morant, maybe the dumbest human being to ever exist. I don't want to get into that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't want to go into Jamal, uh, John Morant. I mean, yeah. I mean, his actions speak louder than his words, I guess. I, I don't know what to say. The guy's fumbling his career in fucking Memphis at, trying to act gangster. Um, Max, I do. I, I want to bring up Dylan Brooks. And um, is he is he that bad? Because I'm, I'm a friend of the show, Parker, brought up a very interesting stat to me. It's basically the equivalent of uh, the war baseball stat uh, wins above replacement stat, but instead of uh, it's the basketball version. And he was like the third ranked worst in this stat. And that kind of spoke to me. But then I think Dylan Brooks does. He, he needs to be a system guy. And if he was like, who's just, who's just a random guy um, in the NBA. Um, like if he was Gary, if he acted like Gary Trent jr. For example, I don't. I don't think he'd be that hated. Dylan Brooks is a very interesting case. Now, is he as bad as everyone says he is? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He isn't. He's still an NBA basketball player, though. He's not going back to Memphis this year. He will find a contract in the NBA. However, they are, or he is, kind of a piece of shit. He tried to get the media involved, like tried to like try to make them the devil, but it didn't work, right? You are being an idiot. You're being a dumbass. You're saying you don't respect LeBron until he drops 40 on you, and then you lost. Get the John Morant dumbassness out of your head and be exactly what you said. Be that system player. Be Gary Trent. Be that system player. Because that's all you need to be. You need to be a 3 and D guy. That's all you need to be. Don't be this weird fucking trash ass wannabe who's taking 30 shots a game and acting like he's the second best player on that team. Just shoot the three and play some D. It's why they rhyme. Uh, you, you, you tell me if I'm wrong. I know how to fix them. Send them to Miami. Hey, that's a fact. That is a fact. You will not catch a single person in Miami saying, I don't respect LeBron until he drops 40 on me. Because guess what? Even if you were bamming a bio and you said that, you're probably getting cut. Pat Riley doesn't play like that. Pat Riley's a G, and he will cut your ass if you do anything stupid. They did They did the same shit with Deion Waiters. Search up Deion Waiters. Look at his story. Miami didn't put up with that bullshit. Look at Myers Leonard. Didn't put up with that bullshit. You're gone. Dwayne Dedman. Didn't put up with that bullshit. You're gone. That's how you fix players. You send them to Miami. If they don't fix, if they don't fix themselves while they're in Miami, you're not coming back to Miami. Look at Hassan Whiteside. Fucking love Hassan Whiteside. That's another story. That's another story. Um, but sending him to Miami like that, I think that that is a fantastic idea to try to 
knock some sense into him, be a good role player. Hey, I'm all about Dylan Brooks. I liked him. That's the thing that sucked. Good Canadian guy. Well, Canadian guy. I liked him. He was solid. And he's throwing his career in the garbage. Trash ass. But um, I just want to go back on the Lakers for at the moment because that is the team. That 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 that's the talk of the town right now. They're absolutely fan. They're an absolutely fantastic team. D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt created a brand new system for that team, a brand new offense and a brand new defense. Anthony Davis has some help in the paint with with Jared Vanderbilt there, and now D'Angelo Russell can help create space, help create help create shots. He's a playmaker and he's a scorer himself, right? Exactly what they needed. That's exactly what they needed. They needed D'Lo back in L.A. Makes LeBron play his best ball. It plays, makes AD play his best ball. They're all playing great right now. And guess what? They have a chance to win. They legitimately do. They have a solid team when healthy. Aha. That's the catch. AD's not always healthy. LeBron's not always healthy. They need to stay healthy, and they will be that team to beat, right? And I like the matchup against the Nuggets. I'll tell you that. Again, oh, I was talk about the Warriors just for a sec. I don't, I don't know. It was a cool series. It was interesting. Last game was kind of disappointing, though. They blew him out. They just blew him out. It was it wasn't even close. Uh, Clay's not the same person he was. Draymond. I could have an entire episode talking about how overrated Draymond in a, is as a player. That's for another time. That's for another time. But Lakers are the team to beat in the West, in my opinion. Now, do I do I think that they're better than the Nuggets? Yes, <laughs> but I still <laughs> I still think that the, that the Nuggets have a legitimate chance to do something against the Lakers, right? But I love the matchup of AD on Jokic. AD on Jokic, try to neutralize him. AD is the if anyone is going to stop Jokic, it's going to be AD. Not the other way around, though. Jokic is a bad defender. He just is. Like if you you look at the advanced stats and everything like that. He's a bad defender. He is, and I'm sorry if you're, I'm a Jokic fan. I like him, but he's a bad defender. Now, Jokic is still arguably the most dominant player in the NBA just because of what he does on offense. He's so, he has so many different dimensions on offense. But AD is a former defensive player of the year nominee for like five straight years. If anyone's going to shut down Jokic, it's going to be Giannis or AD. Who on um the on on Denver is stopping LeBron? I don't see anyone. Who on Denver is stopping D'Lo? Now, you could say the same who's stopping Murray and I agree with that. But the depth that the Lakers have and the matchups that I think the Lakers favor in really makes me want to take the Lakers. And I think I'm going to. They've had this magical run so far. Why not keep it going? So I am going to stay the course. And I'm going to say Los Angeles. Now in the East, this is where it gets tricky. Because I want to remain neutral, but I am a fanboy. So where do I go from here? Miami is winning. Now, now, it's all about matchups, right? And, like, if we've seen it in the NHL and we've seen it in the NBA, it's all about matchups. Not who the best team is, who you're currently playing right now. Because if Boston was playing Tampa, 
we'd probably still see Boston in the playoffs, right? And if the Grizzlies were playing, hell, even like the Nuggets or something, I'm not saying, but it could the matchups could favor differently. It's just that's all I'm trying to say, right? And I think this matchup favors the Heat. Jason Tatum will get locked down by Jimmy Butler. The only remaining threat is Jalen Brown, and I have trust in the Miami Heat coaching game plan that they will figure out a way to take down Jalen Brown. Or not take him down, but at least limit him. Right? My my fears are, are in Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon because it's never the stars that destroy the Heat. It's always those role players who go off. Peyton Pritchard also. He could be he could be dangerous if he wants to be. And I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking about that. Like watch some Peyton Pritchard highlights and see how fast this man gets. Or like see how hot this see how fast this man gets hot. It's crazy. I'm just just saying. Just saying. They, they scare me a little bit. Tyler Harrow could be back in the lineup though. Duncan Robinson has been playing a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. If I had to pick, taking Miami. Marcus Smart doesn't scare me. Who is he going to lock up Kyle Lowry? I don't care. Gabe Vincent? I don't care. Not locking up Jimmy. Too small. I I have Miami and Lakers in the finals once again. But once again, I have the Lakers winning. The 2023 NBA championships with Anthony Davis coming out as MVP. Because I do think that Jimmy will be able to hold LeBron so he's not putting up 40 a night. But I don't know if Bam will be able to hold Davis. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that he can. I'm not saying that he can. But Anthony Davis is the most... When he's healthy, he's the best big in the league. Like, like I'm saying that right now. I don't care what anyone says about Jokic or Embiid. If AD is healthy, he is. He gives 100% on offense and 100% on defense. Man plays both ends. If he's struggling on one end, he picks it up on the other. Guy's a stud. Guy's a stud, and Guy is the best big man in the league. I don't know if Bam can stop him. He's so versatile on offense. I don't know who's guarding D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how they're going to match their depth. I am in love with this Lakers team. I think they're taking it all the way. And I think Anthony Davis is taking home that finals MVP. You know what, Max? Because I was going to walk in here and we have opposite uh, opposite predictions. I've been riding with the Celtics team. I'll start with them, I guess. Since, since the get-go. Since last year. I've been rocking with them. Marcus Smart. Dog. Derek White, dog. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, L. Horford. All super good players, right? Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. Robert Williams coming off the bench. Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench. This team is, I think, the most overall solid team in, in the NBA playoffs. Like, you have your star in Tatum. You have your sidekick quote-unquote sidekick and Jalen Brown and then you have guys that are solid players they're not they're not bad they're not studs but they're solid and do their job well like you said Jimmy Butler and Tatum I think let's just say they cancel each other out 
Let's just say they cancel each other out. Like you said, Jalen, I, I feel like Malcolm Brogdon has a huge series. I really do. His size at, at, in the in the backcourt. I said it. He scares me. He scares me. Jalen Brown, I think. Like, Al Horford and Bam, I mean, I'd give Bam the advantage, but Al Horford still does number. I just think Boston has more secondary guys that can pick it up other than Miami. Like, I, I don't know Miami that well, but, like, after after Jimmy and Bam and Hero and uh, Gabe Vince, like, I'm, ta- I'm taking Jalen Brown over Kyle Lowry and Gabe Vincent. That's basically what it's coming down for, for me, and I have Boston winning. Nuggets, you made great points. I, I'm going with my heart. I love Jokic and Jamal Murray. I love MPJ. I love Aaron Gordon. I look at this Lakers team. I'm like, man, how were what were they the sixth seed? Were, were they the sixth seed, Max? They were. They, they were the sixth. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's unbelievable. D'Lo, like you mentioned, is like the perfect suit. Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves is apparently going to make a bajillion dollars this offseason with how he's playing, which doesn't make any sense to me. LeBron James, goat. Anthony Davis. Up there with my favorite players ever with Giannis. Jared Vanderbilt is kind of a random mix, but former like top 10 pick, I believe. Lonnie Walker balled out. Malik Beasley, Dennis Schroeder. This team matches up very well with Denver, and everything you were saying was making sense, but fuck it. I am going with the Denver Nuggets. I think this is their time. Jamal Murray's finally healthy. MPJ will probably, I don't know, catch... Catch fire, maybe Jokic. It all it all comes down to how Jokic plays against Anthony Davis, in my opinion. But yeah, and, and Denver's depth kind of worries me. I'm looking at their backups like Bruce Brown, Christian Braun, Jeff Green, Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant. Like not the best, not the best backups. Not horrible, but not the best. But screw it. Denver in seventh. Home court in Denver. It's tough to go out to Denver to play basketball games. Altitude, whatnot, especially going from Denver to LA. Denver in seven, Boston in six. Then, uh, oh man, I both I like both of these Boston and Nuggets team, but I I don't know something something's just clawing at my heart that wants me to take Nuggets, so I'll take the Nuggets, even though I think Boston's the better team. I'll do. Jamal Murray, Canadian boy, it'll be Jokic, but Jamal Murray, playoff MVP, Nuggets and seven. I don't hate it. Like I'm like I'm I'm riding I'm riding with the Heat because like we love like how we always love to say it's about the teams who get hot and Miami is it's so fitting that their name is the Heat because they are scorching right now. They are the hot not best hottest team in in the remaining four right now. And after going to Game Seven against the Sixers, I don't know. Celtics could be bruised; they could be battered a little bit. I don't. I don't know. It's very interesting, and it's very fun. These are fun last two games. Let's enjoy them. Let's I enjoy mean, it, them. It speak. It speaks to how me and you both took different teams of how competitive uh, these series are going to be. So yeah, it'll be very interesting. But. Absolutely. But with 
Those are our predictions and our thoughts. By the way, Suns, I don't even want to get into them. Tragic. DeAndre Ayton, tragic. He needs to go to another team now for his benefit and for the Suns. Send him away and get 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 a defensive end. Get Mitchell Robinson or something. Someone that can help him out. Please, God, get rid of DeAndre Ayton. But that's enough about the playoffs. That's enough about our predictions and our thoughts. Time to get into the draft lottery, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the draft lottery, actually, as we are saying that, is has happened already. Right? It's finished hey, now, right? Yeah, finished about 15 minutes ago. Boy, oh boy, San Antonio Spurs, you guys are getting Victor Wemboyana. Now, I got some thoughts about this, all right? I got some thoughts. Now, if you are a fan of the show, you know one of my takes that I will stand by until I am proven wrong. Chet Holmgren will be better than Victor Wemboyana. I am... Size is so attractive in the NBA, right? Like size, you see someone who's tall, you see someone who's who's um like KD, seven foot, can shoot the ball, can handle the ball, and you want him. But KD is a unicorn. That guy comes around once every 20, 25, 30, 35 years, however long. And I don't think that Wembanyama is that guy. Now, I think he'll be solid. I think he'll be an all-star. I think he'll be what Zion Williamson is, a good player, good potential, not in the right system, not in the right fit, and doesn't have the body to continue to play a professional sport for very long in his career. I believe that. You look at Zion. What did they say about Zion before he got, before he got into the league? Too heavy, too much weight on his legs. His lower body is going to be burnt up. Look what's happening right now. And that is getting in his own mind. You know, he's, he's talking about that 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 type of mentality that he has, right? He doesn't feel like himself because of these injuries that have been happening. And I and then look at Chet, right? I'm not saying that Chet, like Chet's not nothing, nothing crazy, but I'm sure his seven foot, seven foot one to his body size, to his lower. Have you seen that man? He looks very, very, very skinny. He's a very skinny individual. No shade, but I'm sorry. That's a fact. And when you're that skinny and that tall and and that heavy, though, right? Because you're still seven foot one. You're still up there in your weight. And you put all those weight onto those weak-ass knees and those weak-ass ankles. You're bound to have lower body injuries. This isn't about skill. This isn't about anything like that. This is about playing time. AD's name is dragged through the mud the past couple of years because he wasn't playing. That's it. wasn't It wasn't because he was playing bad. It's because he wasn't playing. That the, the doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Robert Horry. The best ability is availability. That's why I have a lot of thoughts on Kawhi. If you are that good and you're not playing, I don't have an opinion of you. I'm sorry. And that's what I'm scared of with these guys, these new generational guys. I don't know if Victor can take the physicality of the NBA, playing against these big boys, and continue to stay healthy at seven foot, like six. How tall is he? Three, four, five? He's definitely not seven, six. 
Um, uh, <laughs> I I have a couple of so- thoughts just based on what you're saying. Um, it's, it's two point. Uh, also, I want to give another seven example. three seven three. That's still insane. I just want to give another example of Kristaps. Right, Kristaps is battling injuries throughout his entire career. He's also seven three. Also a lanky, skinny guy. These the, it happens. It's the nature of the body. I, I, just wanna, I, I just want to jump in when you talk about Chet Holmgren. Him getting injured might have been like one of the best things for the okay, kid. This sounds bad, but it, it might have been good for him because he gets a, a year to just develop his body at the NBA uh, level and get and just get ready. Um, and I, I also want to say how high, how ironic is it that that uh, the NHL and NBA both produce like these mega hyped up prospects in in the years that they're drafted and their concerns are both both on their size bedard being a, maybe a little too small and when bagnani maybe being a little too skinny um i thought that was pretty funny and san antonio has a pretty good run of first overall centers in tim duncan and david robinson so hopefully victor mr wemby can uh keep it up and uh just want to say Got to feel bad for Detroit Pistons fans who fall from the first overall so- selection to fifth overall. Got to feel for Cade Cunningham and uh, company there. And uh, Charlotte getting the second overall pick and will likely take Scoot Henderson, pair him up with LaMelo Ball, and that will be one of the most fun and entertaining backcourts we will see for a long time. Um, Toronto doesn't move up. They stay at 13. Um I thought the Blazers, the Blazers were, were one ping pong ball away from getting the first overall pick. They fall, they get number three. Um, I'm not sure where they'll go. Obviously, Shaden Sharp looked unbelievable in his playing time. Um, Dame Lillard's still there. Um, not sure where the Blazers will go. That would have been fun to have Wemby on that Blazers team. Um, fourth overall, Houston also f- falls uh, to number four. So th- those are my uh, thoughts on that. I, I wanted, Victor to go to the Spurs. I think they were in most need of a, of a franchise guy. I mean, Houston's got uh, Jalen Green. Um, obviously, the Blazers have Shaden, who I am super high on for multiple reasons. And he, uh, Char- Charlotte's obviously got LaMelo and uh, Cade's on Detroit. So that, that was just my thoughts and opinions, Max. Uh, you got any more? No, I think I'm all out. I also just hate I hate San Antonio for Victor right now, by the way. Nothing against like San Antonio or Victor, but they're in such a terrible position. The, the Spurs aren't going to be winners for years. Years. They have Devin Vassell, solid. Keldon Johnson, solid. And that's it. That's really just it. Hopefully, maybe Victor can come in and make them, winning ba- make them a winning basketball team. But if he went anywhere else... He went to the Hornets. Imagine a Victor and Lomelo Ball, a duo. Trailblazers, Dame, and and him. The Rockets, you have a fun backcourt with Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. Pistons, you have Cade Cunningham. Like, there were so many better landing spots for him. I just think that he's going to waste the first couple years of his career in San Antonio on a team that still sucks. Like, mark my words, the San Antonio Spurs will be in the exact same position in the draft lottery come this time next year. Yeah, but that, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. These teams, like, look at Philadelphia for how many years in the trust the process era. era. 
right? That's what teams do. They suck for five years and then finally get good. Look at the Thunder. I mean, SGA finally panned, panned out. Shout out him. First team all NBA. Good Canadian guy. Um, but yeah, it's it's what it's it's what happens. I feel like Victor might be in a Trevor Lawrence situation. Hold on, hold on. Not breaking news, but just a little something, just because we're talking about Dame and Victor together. I can't. I'm just going to read it because I forgot our (laughs) viewers probably aren't on YouTube. And if you're not, get your ass on YouTube. But someone uh, someone tweeted, could it be Vic and Dame? Question mark, question mark. And then Dame responded, if so, dot, dot, dot. Not saying that means anything big. And this was, and he sent this tweet. He sent this tweet after the draft lottery happened, just to make that clear. Okay. Damon, Damon, Victor, and Sanitar. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but we also wanted to give a little bit of attention to some of the coaches in the NBA. It's been very interesting past few days for the coaches. Nick Nurse, this happened a while ago, but Nick Nurse got let go. We said we mentioned Doc Rivers got fired. Mike Budenhoser got fired. Monty Williams got fired. All of these top-level coaches are getting fired. And just because they aren't winning is my question. They had a good playoff run, but they didn't win, so it's automatically the coach's fault. You're telling me that Doc Rivers was the reason that Embiid put up 14 points or however many points he put up? I don't think so. You're telling me Mike Budenholder's the reason that the Bucks lost? I don't think so. I want to jump in, and I feel so yeah. bad for Coach Bud. His brother passed away in a car accident the week of the Miami Heat series, and yeah, that that's just unfortunate. Um. But I, I wanted to ask you, Max. I'm a Raptors fan. I'm not a big basketball guy. I don't. I don't like. I say like I watch the league, but I don't know the ins and out of the NBA. Who are the Raptors hiring? It's got. It's 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 going to be one of two. It's going to be one of two, and I'll, I I like. It's either going to be Monty Monty Williams or, or Mike Budenholzer. And I'll tell you why I think it's going to be Monty Williams, because and, Monty and Williams before, is such. You, I, go ahead, Zach. I was gonna, I was gonna say it's. I would assume it's gonna be one of those two. Exactly, because they're they 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 just fit so well in Toronto. Like you already know the culture there, and they're very like Doc Rivers in Toronto. That's not gonna happen. If you know Doc Rivers and you know Toronto, that's just not gonna happen. Monty Williams and Mike Budenholzer are very player centric guys. They care about their team. They really care about um the players on their team, their well being, and everything like that. And that fits exactly what Toronto is right now. Toronto has a culture of 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 love on their team like they they really do if you're a fan if you if you go back to the Kawhi or to the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan days and you'll understand what I mean right go to the Siakam and Fred Van Vliet prime and you'll understand what I mean by that and Monty Williams I think fits that so well he just fits exactly what the Sun or what the Raptors are looking for so well I have to think it's Monty Williams but if Monty Williams goes somewhere else maybe it's got to be Mike. It's got it's it's got to be Budenholzer, because he's just an amazing coach. Like it's so stupid that the Bucks fired him. Like he's such a fantastic coach. He's gonna find a landing spot and be just as be just as good. Be 
just fine. Yeah, no, I think I think I yeah, it's gonna be one of those two. I hope so. Um, as a, as a Raptors fan, I I gotta hope it's one of those two. Lots of good coaches available though, and it'll be very interesting to see where it ends up. It's gonna be like magical chairs with these coaches. Obviously, Nick Nurse still needs a job. You mentioned Doc Rivers, those two. And, uh, yeah, you never know about, like, assistant coaches getting promoted as well. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, Max, we got a very special interview. This has been a long episode focused on the NHL and NBA. But we got a special interview. Special that it's in uh, May. Um, Mental health awareness is a big part of this guy's uh, life now. Um, And it's also NBA, former All-Star, right? Yes, sir. We have got one of the, I think, one of the best interviews we've ever had. This guy was awesome. This guy, I absolutely yeah. love James. Oh, James Donaldson, baby. Former former Mavericks legend, all-star, re- double-double machine, James Donaldson. Former, and he ran for mayor of uh, Seattle as well after after he retired. Quick little little tidbit about him. But he played in Seattle. He played in and he was really cool too, actually. Like what he was he was during the team he was um he played for the Clippers when they were moving originally from San Diego to LA. So he was able to be a part of that uh, transition. And if you want to hear how that went, go watch the fucking interview. Uh but it has been it was an awesome time. And no, James was James was super great. I'm super excited to have you guys see it. We've been sitting on it for a couple of weeks now. I did it before my trip to Meadow, so very happy to have him on. Hopefully we can have him on again. That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Mr. Zary? Not much. I mean, kicking off season seven with back-to-back episodes, Aaron Jeffrey, first MMA fighter. I'm really looking forward. He'll get a fight scheduled soon. If you haven't listened to that interview, check that out. It was probably released pretty uh a couple of days before this one, maybe just a day. Who knows what I end up doing with the release schedule. And then James Donaldson, honestly, one of my favorite interviews, but it was like, it, this interview was even before there and Jeffrey one. So we've been sitting on it for a while. Like, uh, God, like almost 20 days now, a couple of weeks. Um, it was such a great interview and, uh, man, started season seven with the bang and Max has been making connections. I got some connections brewing too. Feels like we got something, like I said, brewing for season seven, and I'm excited. Who knows? A lot of exciting things ahead, and like you said, we're kicking season seven off with a bang. First MMA guy, basketball, um, basketball all star or basketball NBA all star. Couple of great guys, which is the most important part, and uh, yeah, but. Please enjoy our James Donaldson interview. Thank you for listening to episode 59 of A Well-Placed Cuss. We will get you back next week with the big 6-0. Please like, comment, Marcus played. Anything you can to help us out is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome, and we will see you next week. All right. Hello, everyone. We are back with another interview with an NBA specialist. We got Mr. James Donaldson, 15-year vet, former NBA All-Star, Dallas, Ma- Dallas Mavericks legend. James, thanks so much for hopping on. How are you doing today? Thanks so much. Hey, it's great to see you guys. I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday, the end of the week. Looking forward to the weekend, and we got good weather out here, too. 
Yes, sir. I wish we could say the same. We live up north in Canada, and uh, it's, uh, it's almost May, and we just got about a foot of snow over the past couple of days. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's, uh, there's, there's a look into our climate, but we'll dive into the questions here. So, James, we, we always like to get a bit of background information but before your professional career, and so... Being born in Heacham, England, then coming to California, playing ball for, for for Luther Burbank. Can you tell us a bit about how your love of the game started and just kind of some early memories that, that, that you developed from basketball? Well, well, unlike most of the guys, I had no love for the game when I was young. I mean, uh, you know, even though I was bigger and taller than most of the other kids, uh, it wasn't until I was a soft, maybe a junior in high school that I actually picked up a basketball and started playing around with it, trying to figure out what this game was all about. Um, you know, I was about six, eight or six, nine when I went to high school and the basketball coach and the football coach, they were just drooling to try to get me out there and try something. But yeah. I had no, I, I had no interest in sports. I, you know, and I wasn't really athletic then I was kind of big and, and, and clumsy and overweight and, just didn't look much like an athlete. I was just a big old guy. Yeah. Um, my my basketball coach, he could see that that's the kind of kid I was. He could see that I was kind of introverted, kind of shy, kind of lacking confidence. Uh, and so he just said, hey, James, I want to invite you out to practice with the basketball team during the junior year in high school. You never have to play a game. Just practice with us behind the scenes. And I took them up on it, and those were the very first baby steps I took. Uh, I practiced all year long, and, you know, the coach knew that I was – I'd probably I'd probably get run off pretty quickly if I was intimidated by the whole scenario. Yeah. So he actually, he actually put, um, put newspaper and cardboard up in all the windows in the gym so the other kids could look in there and stare at me all the time. <laughs> so that was my whole junior year. And finally, uh, during my senior year, I played my first official basketball game. Uh, I somehow rolled and stumbled and bumbled my way to, you know, 25 points and 14, 15 rebounds. I think just because I was a big kid, the biggest kid out there. But, you know, that was my beginning, and it, we took off from there. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's awesome to hear, and that kind of – Goes right into my next question. You you mentioned you didn't start playing basketball right there really until officially yeah. in your senior year. After high school, you go on to attend Washington State uh, University, one of the most accomplished alumni. Uh, but as a collegiate athlete myself here in Canada, I, I, I'm always curious to like about the recruiting process and what you went through, if you have any recruiting stories or visits or yeah. had an interesting look look into that kind of uh scenario in your life well you know i i was really just just starting out uh, my senior year uh mr mr basketball in sacramento california where i grew up was bill cartwright uh bill and i played in the same league uh we're the same same grade level uh that was the big matchup we played twice against each other home and away games they won both games. They they went undefeated that year. But, you know, I was uh, – but people saw me play against Bill and said, wow, if nothing else, he's got potential. You know, he's willing to work hard. Uh, we can probably make something out of him one, one day. You know, Bill Cartwright was light years ahead of me. And, um, and so I started getting a couple offers from small schools here and there. 
of course, everybody wanted me to go to the junior college route and spend a year or two there. Uh, a couple schools from down south, you know, historically black colleges and things like that. Uh, growing up in California, though, my love was UCLA, uh, the old John Wooden teams and things like that. I was close to uh, Cal Berkeley and to Stanford, and I was interested in going there. Um, but none of them recruited me. And so it, it wasn't until George Ramblin, the coach at Washington State, uh, sent his assistant coach down to to talk with me and meet me uh, and then invited me up to Pullman, Washington to take a look at the campus after my senior year in high school. And that was really it. I, I fell in love with George Ravelin. He became a second father figure to me. Uh, he was just probably just, just the kind of coach I needed uh, to keep me on track, to keep me motivated, to, to give me a kick in the butt every now and then and to help me realize my, my potential, that I had no idea what kind of potential I had at that time. Yeah. Yeah. We always we, we always love stories here, and you spent, you, you spent four really great years in, uh, in Washington State University, and I'm, I'm curious if you have any stories or anything like that that really embodies your time in, uh, in Washington. Yeah, well, the first two years, I, I rarely played at all, my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I was one of those kids that went in the game when we were up by 20 or down by 20 and about 45 seconds to go in the game. You know, the coach would throw me in and say, well, run up and down a couple of times. Uh, but I spent those first couple of years really becoming the athlete I became. I, I was in the weight room, not with the basketball guys. I was in there with the football guys. Uh, and I was getting bigger and stronger and meaner and leaner and you know, bench pressing 300 pounds, squatting 600 pounds, uh, really rounding out to the athlete that I became as a junior uh, at Washington State University. I was running stadium stairs with the with the track coach. Uh, the, the track coach saw that my mechanics weren't very good in high school as a runner. I was very plodding and just kind of cumbersome. He put me out there running through, uh, you know, the, the rubber tires out there on the track and running all these agility drills and running stadium stairs. We did that for two years. And so I didn't worry about playing so much because we had a pretty good team at the time. Uh, they didn't really need my contributions as a, as a freshman and sophomore. But uh, those guys all graduated by the time I was a junior. And that's when I became a full-time, full-fledged, bona fide college student athlete at Washington State University. Uh, rounding out at about seven two and about two hundred seventy five pounds back then. Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear. Uh, you talk about training with the football team, track team, because like yeah. I, I think people don't. I wouldn't say they don't know about that, but like even when I see it, like lots of our like I play football. Lots of our football team works with the track team, like mm -hmm. in in our off season to work on speed. So it's, I think yeah. it's pretty interesting to hear that in the states too, getting bigger, faster, stronger, especially like a big man yourself. Then I guess kind of moving on to my next question. We our last interview was with uh, Jeff Ruland, former NBA oh. All Star, too, big guy there, and he sure. kind of had the same transition. He he went overseas after college, and you did you did the same exact thing too. After four years at Washington State, drafted by Seattle, went to Italy to play instead of Seattle. So I was just wondering what led to that decision. Well. You know, when I got drafted in 1979, this was the Seattle Supersonics' first and only world championship. <laughs> they won they won the championship that year. 
uh, and they drafted me in the fourth round. You know, it was one of those stories where there just was no room at the end. There was no room for me. Uh, there was no way they were going to cut a guaranteed contract of a championship teammate or a caliber team uh, to make room for me. So uh, we had two first-round picks that year, uh, James Bailey and Vinny Johnson, the microwave. So they were the first-round picks. I came in fourth round. Uh, my agent talked to me, talked to me, and talked me into realizing that, you know, if I went overseas and played, I could I could play forty minutes a night. I could get double points and double rebounds and really continue working on my game, which I wouldn't have been able to do sitting on the end of a bench on an NBA team and probably ending up bouncing out of the league after two or three years of really no production. So that's what I did. I went over to Siena, Italy, uh, played played that year in the average double points, double rebounds, blocking shots, and really working on my game, which I was able to bring back to the Sonics training camp the next year and make the team that way. Yeah, that's super interesting. And, I, and like, I don't want to compare, uh, like, let's say junior athletics in high school to playing professional, but, like, we see that in high school, right, where some kids will – play an extra year junior football or basketball to really focus on themselves, focus on their game to be prepared for that next year. And it's, it's kind of similar, but you're still playing pro obviously, but mm-hmm. to develop that game and obviously it led to a lot of success at the NBA level. Yes, it did. Uh, you know, I'd compare European basketball at that time in the eighties, uh, kind of to our top level college basketball here. So it was a continuation of college ball but I was playing all the time. They never took me out of the game. Uh, they relied on me for points and rebounds and defense, which really became my forte uh, defense and rebounding once I got to the NBA. Did you notice uh, a big difference between between playing in Europe and playing in North America, like the style of the game maybe? Oh, quite a bit, yeah. Back then, you know, the European international game was much more fast-paced, uh, a lot of the centers that I played against were, you know, six, eight, six, nine guys that I had difficulty keeping up with. But, uh, you know, it was good for me, though, to work out against those kind of players. Yeah. Uh, the game was kind of, uh, you know, outside, inside, kick it back out for, you know, uh, the long two point, three point shots back then. Uh, so the NBA gradually adopted that kind of style. But when I came into the NBA, it was really a, a, a bruising, physical, punishing kind of game, playing against the likes of Jeff Rulin and those guys. You know, we we went at each other every single night. <laughs> it's well, I mean, I, I think that's incredibly beneficial because, like, like we talked about Jeff, he had success in the league as well as you, and mm-hmm. um, he had like he has fond memories of playing overseas because it it he was able to develop his game and just become more well rounded as a player. And uh, so I, I, I always think it's cool to put yourself in those different experiences and ma- match up with, with, with different guys to see how their skill sets match up with yours. Absolutely. You know, and I think not only well-rounded as a player, but well-rounded as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that international uh, living and lifestyle and experience still is with me to these days. I mean, I've become much more of an international worldly thinker, global thinker travel to different countries around the world. Uh, Really, really am fascinated by different cultures and different languages. I played uh, a total of six years overseas in Europe. 
uh, two years in Italy, two years in Spain, two years in Greece. And I learned all about the cultures and the great histories. I learned Spanish and Italian and Greek. And uh, I was just living it up. I, I loved it. But always I had that burning desire to, to come back to the NBA, to try the NBA, just to see what I could do. I had no idea how long I would play or right. if I make the NBA when I came back. But, you know, you always have that, 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 un, that unquenched thirst to try out and see exactly what could have been without a doubt. I, I got one question before Max jumps in here. We had uh Pete Chilcutt on also, and he also played overseas yes. and he was telling us stories about receiving death threats by the fans though, and having to escape the country like <laughs> unknown. So the like the team didn't know, but so I was wondering and like, I think it was in Spain where like the fans are smoking cigars and cigarettes and like there's a haze. So I was wondering if you had any experiences with like crazy fans or like the dip different atmosphere because we see it with soccer most notably, yeah. but just like the European fans. I wonder if you had any store like crazy stories like that. Well, especially in Greece and Italy, those two uh, fan bases were just fanatic. I mean, they in Greece. Yeah, you're talking about the smoke, the heavy haze of smoke that hovered over the basketball floor in the arena, uh, shooting fireworks off, shooting little little missiles across the arena back and forth. Uh, fans would just get so ruly and unrowdy. I remember losing a, a close game at home in Italy, uh, in Siena, and um, the fans started throwing all kinds of things onto the floor. Not so much against us, the home team, but against the referees who they felt blew the game for us. And they pelted those referees with, with bottles, with uh, coins, with cups of water. Uh, they ran them into a back warehouse kind of place behind the arena and kept them there until about three in the morning before they finally got out of there. That's the kind of fans that they that we had. And it's very, very common. It's, it's much more common in soccer. But basketball back in those days uh, at the European level was just fantastic. Jeez, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, did not expect that, but uh, those I guess those are the stories you get playing overseas, right? That's those, the, the, those are the gems you find, absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, so but after after your stint in Italy, you were able to come back to the NBA and you went to Seattle. Now, Seattle's no longer a team, but Seattle holds a big place in a lot of basketball fans' hearts. The passion, the atmosphere, the fan base was absolutely amazing. And I was just curious about um where where do you not not where do you stand on it, but how was your experience in Seattle? Like how how was that atmosphere for you playing there, especially in your first in your first team in the NBA? Right, I played my first three years with the Sonics. I, I loved it. I I loved being part of the Seattle SuperSonics, which is why I still live here in the Seattle area. Uh, it just became home. Uh, you know, I was a, a local boy, make good kind of story from Washington State University. And the fans really took to me. I really took to them. We had great teams back then coming off the championship year. So for those three years I was with them, we were very, very good teams. Um, and, and I think playing with the coach I had, I, this, this is how I think my career developed. The way it did and why it did is because of the coaches I had especially at the early stages. Uh, my high school coach, who had the intuition to realize what kind of shy, introverted kid I was, and he didn't want to run me off, so he, he made some accommodations for me. 
George Raveling, who was just really a, a disciplined, uh, you know, military drill sergeant kind of coach, the old school coaches that we all remember with the Bobby Knights and those kind of guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was George Raveling. And so that was really good because I was always very disciplined too. You know, I come from a military family. My dad was in the Air Force for 20 years. And so discipline was always right up my alley. And I, I just embraced it with George Raveling. Uh, with Lenny Wilkins, he was a totally different type, type of coach. In the pros, he was really a player's coach. And he loved coaching older veteran guys who he had at the time on that team. Uh, we had we had a young Jack Sigma, but you know we had uh, John Johnson and downtown Freddie Brown and Gus Williams, uh, you know great players Dennis Autry, uh, you know and so a lot of great veteran players and that was Lenny's forte I think was coaching the veteran teams, uh, you know even though he retired as the all time winningest coach, uh, his strength really came in coaching the veteran teams that he was. Uh, when he coached in Cleveland with Craig Elo and those guys and Mike, you know, going to get Mike Jordan. Oh, yeah. uh, so oh, those were the kind of teams that he liked coaching and they were the best teams he had. Very mm -hmm. cool. So yeah. we'll, we'll kind of go into your rookie year there in Seattle. And I'm always curious, like Max mentioned, we love stories. We, we love hearing stuff. <laughs> um, Was there like any like welcome to the NBA or welcome to the league mo moments? Either it was like going against an idol of yours or something happens or, you know, we hear stories of like rookie hazing and we'll see videos nowadays of like the popcorn in the car or something like that. So I was wondering if you had any stories you'd like to, you could, you were able to tell us. A, a couple come to mind, you know, first of all, I want to say I was, I was really embraced by the veterans on the team. Uh, John Johnson, JJ, we called him. John Johnson and Fred Brown took me under their wings. Uh, every day after practice, they would work on me with my inside moves, uh, rebounding drills. You know, John would pass the ball in, I'd kick it out to Fred. He'd bomb away from three point land. I'd go and have to go to the rebounds. And we did this stuff for 20, 30, 40 minutes every day after practice my rookie year. And that was just terrific. I really appreciated those guys for taking the time and interest in me. And they taught me how to be a professional. Uh, getting to the games, though, my very first game that I was called into action uh, was in the Kingdom in Seattle, the old Kingdom we played in. And it was against the Los Angeles Lakers and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, Lenny, Lenny looked down at me, Coach Lenny, and he said, hey, James, go on in and, and you know, get Jack. Jack Sigma, uh, I tell you, my heart was palpitating, my knees shaking. Uh, you know, I was sweating already. I hadn't even, hadn't even run up and down the court yet. Uh, so I check in and I go and line up against Kareem. And I'm looking like, wow, this is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is my very first game. Kareem already has like 28,000 points, 30,000 points. I have zero. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> you know, and so... I was I was I'm almost afraid to even touch him, you know. But I had to box him out on a free throw, and so I, I I put that first elbow into him and boxed him out. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's how you do this. And he didn't he didn't bite my head off, or or you know, he still went off and scored thirty points as usual. And I think I had three or four points. But you know, that was my first introduction to the NBA. Uh, my first real rude awakening, though, was during my rookie year also against the, the Washington Bullets, uh, Elvin Hayes and uh, Wes Unsell. 
playing against those two guys. And they had me on a foul line, uh, foul position, and I'm trying to weasel in between the two of them to get a rebound. And one of them took me high and the other one took me low and just leveled me out about six feet in the air. And I came with such a thud. And they didn't even begin to help me up, didn't even extend a hand. And it's, it's like, welcome to the NBA. And that was... That was the beginning of how I learned to play physical and not show that I was hurt, even though I was bruised and hurt. I, I couldn't show it because I'd be sitting over there with Coach Wilkins at the time. So I had to just stay out there and take my lickings. But then, you know, after a few games, you start learning how to give it back out, too. For sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, I guess it's just obviously we, me and Max weren't alive like back back then, but like we're, we're so accustomed to uh, – I guess the game nowadays and it's not nearly as physical when you have like physical and athletic freaks, like we do like Giannis and obviously LeBron James, but it'd be interesting to see like what, what kind of players they would be like Joel Embiid or Giannis like back, back then. So yeah, you definitely would have to know how to take it and how to dish it out as well, but we'll, we'll keep going. And, uh, after Seattle, you went to San Diego, right in the middle of their relocation to L.A. in 1984. So what was that experience like going from San Diego in your first year to then L.A. and like the whole kind of like that's not a lot of, not a lot of people can say they went through a relocation and all that stuff. So it, it was very interesting. Uh, I really thought and was hoping I'd be a Seattle supersonic for life. Uh, like like downtown Freddie Brown was and is. Uh, I only played three years for the Sonics, and I was so disillusioned when I got traded. Um, I just I just felt such a sense of betrayal. I didn't understand that this was a business. You know, I thought I thought Coach I thought Coach Wilkins liked me. I thought all the team liked me. Why in the world did they trade me? And I really wanted to quit at that point. I was only twenty four years old, and I just. It just took it out of me. And uh, Coach Jimmy Lynham from the San Diego Clippers flew all the way up to Seattle to sit in my living room and convince me to to sign the contract and come on down and join the team down there. I reluctantly did that. And, you know, he said, hey, you know, we, we got a good team. We're putting together a lot of great players. And we did have a lot of great players. Uh, I'd be backing up uh, Bill Walton and be his backup. Uh, and so... My agent talked to me also, and we realized this was a probably a better opportunity for me to go and continue to grow and develop as an NBA player. Uh, San Diego was a was a really great place to be, um, but you know San Diego's blessed with such great weather year round. It's hard to get people inside uh, to a basketball arena unless you're you know you're you're winning just about every game in town, and we weren't. <laughs> we we were. <laughs> We were terrible. <clears throat> Matter of fact, we had T-shirts made up uh, out of 82 games. We had a T-shirt made up saying, we're going for 30, going for 30 wins. Oh, and that, no. That was how low our bar was. Ugh. We had great players, though. We just couldn't win. Uh, you know, Bill Walton and Terry Cummings and Jerome Whitehead, Norm Nixon, Derek Smith, Michael Brooks. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these great players we had. And we just couldn't win. We just had no chemistry at all. We moved to Los Angeles the next year uh, for year two with the Clippers for me. And, uh, you know, we're, we're basically a forgotten team in Los Angeles. 
it's, it's a Lakers town, Lakers team, uh, Lakers city. Nobody paid attention to the Clippers. We were playing out of the uh, the Coliseum. Uh, what's the, over at USC? There's a big Coliseum there in USC, uh, and that's where we were playing at. To four, five, six thousand people a night. It was terrible. Uh, but you know, this is this is where I got my start. Uh, Bill Walton, as as he often did, got injured several times. So I moved into the starting lineup. I became a full time starting center. Uh, playing, you know, 35, 40, 40 minutes a night, uh, going up and getting my double figure points, double figure rebounds, as I always wanted to do. And so that's when other teams started taking notice. Uh, even though I was on a terrible team, I was one of the players who had a bright future ahead. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned like the Bill, Wal like Bill Walton, like you and him, like, oh, that would be yeah. a scary. I if I was going, that would be a scary front court to deal with. I'd like that. Yeah, but yeah, it, well, it's interesting. And, yep. and we did, but we did play that front line once in a while. Uh, myself at center, Bill Walton at power forward, Terry Cummings at small center or small small forward. Uh, the same in Seattle. We had in Seattle was called the Winnebago Wall, with me at center, uh, Jack Sigma at power forward, Lonnie Shelton. 6'8", 265 at small forward. So I, we had some big, big teams that I played with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No kidding. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you uh, a lot for, for, for coming on, James. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to, to talk to you, get your view, get some stories. And uh, it was awesome. Hopefully we can have you on again. But uh, re re really appreciate you coming on. Well, let's, let's do it. You know, I'd like to share just with the audience a little bit about what I'm doing nowadays. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've really become an advocate and a spokesperson for mental health awareness and suicide prevention, uh, especially coming out of this pandemic for all of our young students, uh, athletes. So many, so many student athletes are, are struggling with mental health issues. Uh, just about everybody is. So I go around to a lot of schools and speaking engagements, encouraging people to hang in there. I, I went through a bout of mental challenges myself back in 2018 after uh, a serious open heart surgery and a couple more to follow. Uh, my whole world fell apart. And so I was able to put together a book that I uh, talk about from time to time called Celebrating Your Gift of Life. And you can find it on that same title, celebratingyourgiftoflife.com. And, uh, you know, I personally autograph the, the, the books and send them out to anybody who orders one. But I wanted to let your audience know that, you know, there is life after the game. And uh, this is one thing that so many of our retired athletes don't find something that they're passionate about as much as they've been passionate about athletics. Uh, and this is one of the things we work with, with our Retired Players Association trying to get these guys to figure out what they're going to do after the game is over. This is my calling. Uh, I was a small business owner for 30 years. Uh, the business went down in 2018, and I picked up uh, this new passion of mine uh, with mental health. And uh, just want, And next month, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we got, we got a lot of great things going on with that. So I'd love to come back and talk to you more about that in depth. Oh, we love that. That's a, that's, that's such an important, such an important field to be a part of. And like, as you mentioned, everyone has their issues with, 
with mental health. And it's, it's important to just create that dialogue, right. And give people options and have resources such as yourself to, to, to just help people and, and feel heard. So that that's, that's absolutely amazing. Right. Yeah. So, no. yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, I, I'll go and speak to a, a school assembly of four or 500 kids. Mm-hmm. And usually afterwards, four or five of them will come up to me and tell me that they're suicidal right now and they don't know how to make it through today. Uh, that's, that's, that's the dire situation that we're facing with our young people, especially. So, you know, I'm just as passionate about it as I've been about basketball and, and small business, but this is really the whole next chapter of my life. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to this kind of work. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. cause, and we, we we support everything that you do a hundred percent. And it's Thank you. it's 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 very inspiring, especially coming from a, a a basketball background, right? You know, like coming from that. But you 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 have influence. You have a little bit of of that right. stature, that influence. And I just that it, it's wonderful. I'm it's it's amazing. I'm very 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 excited for you in your future as well. Thank you. I'm trying to get the NBA to step up a little bit more, but. You know, they've got a couple of guys who spoke out, uh, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan and those guys. But they still aren't doing much in regards to helping out the players. Yeah. And in that constant, all next month, the NBA should be promoting mental health awareness. Just nonstop during the playoffs, always, every day, every day. But they just don't do it. And they need to do those kind of things. No, I 100% agree. I think all those... All those leagues, football, baseball, hockey, they they all need to promote that because they, they have the they have that influence, right? It's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for letting me get that in. But that's of course. Even more than basketball. I, I'm I'm so happy with the work I'm doing now. It's just uh so much reward so much more rewarding no. than going up, you know, Kareem or Akeem or somebody like that. <laughs> right live relive the glory days but live the life live the days you have right now absolutely i like that thank you yeah well thanks well thanks thanks so much james it was an absolute honor um yeah thank you so much great okay uh send me a link of the of the show if you get a chance all right for sure will do have a great day thanks guys we'll see you you too james thanks james yep thanks bye bye I'm a digital to a tonsil.